There's a flood, a flood of Heckam endorsements. New York State has a new reverse mortgage foreclosure bill, and coronavirus fiscal stimulus may threaten Social Security. I am your host, Shannon Hicks, and you are listening to Heckam World Weekly, the nation's only weekly podcast for the reverse mortgage professional. Happy Monday, and it's good to be back with each and every one of you, our loyal listeners, wherever this podcast may find you. And our first story, it's actually some good news. There's a flood of Heckam endorsements. The story comes from Reverse Mortgage Daily's Chris Clough. Thanks to a recent policy change, Heckam case binders for Heckam endorsements can be submitted electronically. In fact, they have been for several months. That's very good news since the physical case binders are stacking up in HUD's office as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. The paper backlog came to light during Normla's virtual summer conference, which was held two weeks ago. The HUD HOC, which is based in Santa Ana, California, is one of the busiest and most pivotal reverse mortgage offices in the nation. Nation, processing Heckam endorsements across the West Coast, as well as Alaska, Nevada, Idaho, Arizona. This one office is responsible for processing just north of 40% of our industry's national Heckam volume. In fact, in the fiscal year 2020, we have several months still remaining. Our volume is higher than it was for the entire fiscal year of 2019. That according to Thomas Rose, he's a director of Santa Ana's HOC, and he was in the panel discussion that is Normalist Virtual Summer Conference. Now, how much have we seen the volume spike? In April, the Santa Ana HOC endorsed 622 Heckam loans. This was a month that we all got started with Catalyst, Rose said. And Catalyst, by the way, is a system where you can electronically submit the case binder. But wait, folks, it gets better. In May, says Rose, we endorsed 1,960 loans. And in June, 1,962 loans. So we have endorsed 4,500 Heckam loans in the last three months. In fiscal year 2019, the Santa Ana office endorsed 11,360 loans. But already this year, the fiscal year of 2020 through the end of June, we've endorsed 12,211. Rose adds that our volume is way up. Rose also revealed towards the end of March, HUD made the decision to move all staff to mandatory telework. But we still had endorsements to do and had cases in the office to endorse. So the Santa Ana HOC stayed open for a few weeks with limited staff and contractors, hoping we could stay open and continue endorsing until Catalyst came online. And folks, that's why we're seeing the physical case binders actually stack up. But the good news is the electronic case binders are working. That means the endorsements are being processed, but the paperwork still remains. New York State has a brand spanking new reverse mortgage foreclosure bill. This according to a recent story in Reverse Mortgage Daily by Chris Clow. The new bill does require the lender to notify the state's DFS, that's the Department of Financial Services, and the mortgagor of an impending foreclosure action. The bill has passed both houses of the state legislature, and it's assumed that Governor Andrew Cuomo will sign the bill into law. This bill directly impacts the federally insured reverse mortgage or the home equity conversion mortgage. 
Lenders must now notify the Department of Financial Services when engaging in foreclosure proceedings against the borrower and must also provide proof to the department that HUD has granted prior approval to accelerate the loan, proof of the default and notice to the borrower, and any other information required by the department, so reads Section 1 of the new legislation. But as the late Steve Jobs used to say, but wait, there's more. It also requires that the lender operating within the state must engage in loss mitigation with a homeowner as defined by the Department of Financial Services before foreclosure and, quote, prevents lenders from making advance payments on mortgage insurance or tax liabilities. Now, that last part should be quite interesting. Now, these requirements are conditions that must be observed before a foreclosure action is initiated on the Heckam and will be enforceable by, quote, providing treble damages and attorney's fees to prevailing plaintiffs, so reads the bill. You know all that money that's been taken from your paycheck, the FICA tax, is supposed to go into the Social Security Fund so you can receive the benefits that you paid into over your working years. Well, it may be threatened that according to a recent column in Gray Washington News Bureau, after all the trillions of dollars that we've printed in just a few short months, it's going to come at a cost, a steep one. Social Security is, in fact, in financial trouble. It was even before the coronavirus pandemic, and that is making the situation even worse. And Congress is not really actually poised to act, which is sadly typical. Social Security today is not pulling in enough money to cover what it's owing retirees and those out on disability, and the trust fund is the one making up the difference presently. Asked if the program is in jeopardy, research analyst Nico Gladstone with the Bipartisan Policy Center said, Absolutely. Numbers that were crunched by Gladstone and his peers suggest that Social Security may only have 10 years left before smaller checks are written. In other words, your benefits could be cut. And he says hours and jobs lost to the pandemic means less money's coming in and adds the fund is being further strained by those who are choosing to take their Social Security benefits sooner than later. Now, before we get too alarmist, it should be pointed out that, yes, we have a massive demographic graphic issue, one that was here long before the coronavirus. Americans are living longer than when the program began in the 1930s. Of course, life expectancy back then was right about the age that you would begin collecting Social Security. And the nation's longest serving senator says that Congress must find a bipartisan solution. <laughs> we'll see if that's likely. So the program remains viable, but he has not a specific plan in mind just yet. I don't have the perfect answer, said Senator Patrick Leahy, Democrat from Vermont. He said addressing a similar challenge in the 80s required Congress to take a collective gulp and make some tough choices. And they did make cuts for some Social Security beneficiaries. Max Richtman, the president of the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare, said delaying the Social Security minimum age at which one can begin collecting is a non-starter. Living longer does not mean you can work longer, he said. And not every job is suitable for those that are 67 and older, as we know, and some may not be able to find work. Then comes the question of deep pockets and, of course, the political power that the wealthy do hold. One solution that Richtman does back, and we'll see if this actually goes through, is a bill that would increase taxes on those who are making more than $400,000 in wages in a given year. He said that increase would make the Social Security program sustainable for another 80 years. 
Thanks again for joining us. And you can thank the sponsor of this week's podcast. That is Open Mortgage. We're better as possible by clicking on their banner on the top of this page. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an upcoming episode. If you're not there already, go to heckamworld.com. In this week's Monday edition of the Industry Leader Update, we're looking at what's wrong with retirement planning today. 